I greet you tonight in the name of Jesus, the one that has called us to be fully surrendered to him. I appreciate it. The comments Brother Dan made in the selection of songs tonight, they really confirmed in my heart the message that the Lord has laid upon my heart tonight. We have been enjoying our time here and getting to know and, and reacquaint with friends here at, at um, Hayward Northwoods Mennonite Church. It's been a fast week, and here we are Saturday evening already. And, uh, you know, the house is probably just about as full tonight as it's been any other night, and I bless you for that. Uh, Saturday night, cold winter night, and you came out to church, and the Lord bless you for that. It's good to see all of you here. Um, the message tonight is for all ages. If you can understand, if you are to the age tonight that you can understand what I say, from the youngest to the oldest person here tonight, uh, there's nobody excluded. I'm especially glad to see young people here tonight. Um, young people are a vital part of not just the church of tomorrow, but of the church today. And we really, really need you today in our churches. Tonight I have sensed uh, maybe a new the heaviness, the responsibility of handling the word of God. And that it weighs on my heart and I'm going to be faithful to that. Because I know that someday... I'm going to stand before God, and I'm going to have to give account for what I said tonight. And so I want to be careful. Now, having said that, I know that I use, sometimes I use stories and I use illustrations, but I I take that example from Jesus when he taught. He used stories and illustrations to help bring us to understanding of what he wanted to teach us. So I don't apologize for that. And tonight I'd like to use an illustration just to help us bring our minds together of where I want to go tonight with the Word of God. And I would like to uh, invite a couple children to help me tonight. We want to do a little bit of an exercise to get this message started. So I need, um, let's see, we could use maybe two or three children. Okay, I got a young one over here. You got, you got to be able to count a little bit. Young lady? You got your hand up? You come up. Okay, and uh, Joel, I see your hand. You come up. And I got somebody raising their hand high back there. Young lady, you come right up here. Okay, we got lots of volunteers. Okay, young lady, what is your name? Juliana. Juliana and Joel and his son. Okay. So, Juliana, can you count? You can count a little bit, can't you? Okay. So what I'm going to have you do is I want you to count... How many windows are in this auditorium? Do you think you can do that? You stand out here so you can see them all and you count them just in your head. And you tell me how many. Okay, and Joel, I want you to, um, let's see. I want you to count how many benches are on that side of the church, including these three over here, okay? So you got a total count. And the same, I want you to count the benches on this side and up here and see if you and Joel come up with the same, alright? So, count those. Make sure you get these counted right. Ten. Ten windows, okay? You're counting the, this side, yeah. Joel's counting that side. How many you got? Fourteen. Let's see what Cassandra's got. 
14? So you must go to your right. So 14 and 14 is what? Okay, so, I forgot to look tonight, but I believe that there's a sign out in front of this church. Is that right? It says something about Northwood Mennonite Church. Okay, so there's a sign out there. And you know what? I'm not sure what all that sign says, but maybe it should say, Welcome! Come to Northwood Mennonite Church. We've got ten windows in our auditorium. Woo! That's true. We know that because Juliana counted it. we got ten windows. Or maybe you should have a flashing neon sign out there that says, Come to Northwood Mennonite Church. we got 28 benches. Woo-hoo! Come and take your pick. We know it's true. Cassandra and Joel counted it. There's 28 benches. We know that. Because they counted it. Well, I see that you count your attendance. So tomorrow morning you're going to count... How many people are here? And did you know that every one of you here, probably tonight, every one of you is counted by the United States government? You got a social security number, they've got you figured in, they got you counted. Okay, you are counted. Tonight we're gonna talk about a count that really matters. It's nice that you got 28 benches in here, but we're going to talk about something tonight that is a lot more important about that than that. The title of the message tonight is Count It for Jesus Christ. I'd like you to open your Bibles tonight to the Old Testament. I haven't done much of that at all this week, if any. The Old Testament, the book of Daniel. Daniel chapter 3. And we're not going to read the whole account here, but we'll read a few verses. Daniel chapter 3 and verse 1. It says, Nebuchadnezzar, the king, made an image of gold whose height was three score cubits and the breadth thereof six cubits. He set it up in the plain of Dura in the province of Babylon. Then Nebuchadnezzar, the king, sent to gather together the princes, the governors, the captains, the judges, the treasurers, the counselors, the sheriffs, and all the rulers of the provinces to come to the dedication of the image which Nebuchadnezzar the king had set up. Then the princes and the governors, captains, judges, treasurers, counselors, serfs, all the rulers were gathered together unto the dedication of the image that Nebuchadnezzar the king had set up. And they stood before the image that Nebuchadnezzar had set up. Then a herald cried aloud, To you it is commanded, O people, nations, and languages, that at what time you hear the sound of the cornet, the flute, the harp, the sackbut, the psaltery, the dulcimer, and all kinds of music, you fall down and worship the golden image that Nebuchadnezzar the king has set up. And whoso falleth not down and worshipeth, shall the same hour be cast in the midst of a burning, fiery furnace. Therefore, at that time, when all the people heard the sound of the band, I'll just say, 
and all kinds of music. All the people, the nations, and the languages fell down and worshipped the golden image that Nebuchadnezzar the king had set up. All right, let's just stop the story there for a second. We've got this king, Nebuchadnezzar, and he made a golden image, the Bible says, a huge image of gold. And if I understand the math right here, 90 feet tall. Now, can you imagine that? An image of gold, 90 feet tall. How tall is a good silo? I don't know. Huh? About 90 foot? Good tall silo? So put that picture in your mind. An image of gold as tall as a good tall silo. Now, if the math is, if I got it right here, it was only about nine feet wide. Okay, so you got this kind of skinny thing, maybe, nine feet wide. But if it's gold and 90 feet tall. And he made this image and he gathered all his people around. Anybody that was somebody came to this meeting, to the dedication. They're to fall down and worship this thing when the music starts. Now, why would a king do this? I, I don't know. It doesn't make a lot of sense. I mean, why would he want all his good people to worship this image? It must have been an ego thing or something. I don't think it was so much for worshiping the image as doing what he said. I mean, he was in control. You're going to do what I said. And then, you know, he says, these are all his good people. He says, you know what? And if you don't do it, I'm going to throw you in a fiery furnace. What kind of a king is this? Okay? That's what he said. So we come to verse 8. Wherefore at that time, certain Chaldeans came near and accused the Jews. They spake and said to the king Nebuchadnezzar, O king, live forever. Thou, O king, hast made a decree that every man shall hear the sound of the cornet, the flute, the harp, sackbut, psaltery, dulcimer, and all kinds of music, and shall fall down and worship the golden image. And whoso falleth not down and worshipeth, that he should be cast into the midst of a burning, fiery furnace." There are certain Jews whom thou hast set over the affairs of the province of Babylon, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. These men, O king, have not regarded thee. They serve not thy gods, nor worship the golden image which thou hast set up. So here we got the accusation. We got these three Hebrew boys, Shadrach, Meshach, Abednego. The band started up the music. They didn't bow down. And somebody saw Probably somebody was watching for him. They, they probably were not well liked, I would guess. And somebody comes running to the king. He said, guess what, king? These three guys never bowed down. You said you throw them in the fiery furnace. And the, the king says, bring them to me. Well, verse 13, then Nebuchadnezzar, in his rage and fury, commanded to bring Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Then they brought these men before the king. And I'm not going to read the rest of the story because you know it. But well, you know what happened? They came before the king and the king says, look, and look, fellas, what's going on? You know what I said. When the band starts up, you bow down. And he said, I'll tell you what, I like you guys. So I'm going to give you a second chance. Okay? So we're going to go through this again. We're going to do it tomorrow or whatever it was. I don't know. We're going to do it again. I'm going to give you a second chance. And these three young men said, look, king, we don't need a second chance because it's going to be the same result. And we believe that our God is going to deliver us. And if he doesn't, that's okay too. But we will not bow down and worship your image. We don't need a second chance. Well, we know how the story goes. The king throws him in the fire for instance. God delivered him. I'm not focusing on the end of that story tonight. I'm focusing on this part. When I think of this account... My mind goes back to 
Bible story books that we read our children, um, children's Bible hour books, story books, something like that. Is that right, Karen? Anyhow, there's pictures in there and this story, and my mind goes back to that. And, and what I remember, I didn't look back, but I remember some uh, big golden image, you know, and I don't know what it looked like. We don't know what it looked like, but this 90-foot tall golden image, all right, that the king had set up. And then in that storybook, uh, the rest of the page was filled up with something that looked like this. Uh, he had these people gathered in the plain of Dura, which must have been a big, uh, big center of something. I, I don't know how many people were there, perhaps thousands, I, I don't know. But in my mind, I, I remember this picture, it looked like this. All around this image was this. You know what that is? That's people that were bowed down. They had bowed down. The band had started up and they bowed down. That's, that's what the picture looked like. That's what I got in my mind. Instead of standing up, they were down on their knees, bowed down to that image. And then all at once, we got this. And you put yourself in that position tonight. Here you are. You know you shouldn't. You know what you want to do. And yet all around you, everybody is bowing. That is a lot of pressure, my friends. And they could have said in their heart, you know what? We, we won't worship this thing in our heart, but we'll just get down on our knees and we'll save our life. But they didn't do it. They stayed standing. And friends, tonight, there these men knew when it was time that they should stand. And dear people, tonight... There is a place to stand to be counted for Jesus Christ. The Bible calls it in the New Testament the narrow way. In the Old Testament, these men were standing in the plain of Dura, but they were standing for God, the God they served. The New Testament, we stand for Jesus Christ and we're counted there, and it's called the narrow way. These three men were counted. Now, there wasn't very many of them, only three. We can count that far. One, two, three. But they were counted as those that would not bow the knee to the image. And we do know how to count. We know how to be counted. Our children proved to us tonight that they know how to count very well. And we've been talking about things this week. We know how to count our farms. We know how many we got. We know how to count how many houses we've built this year and how many we built in our lifetime. We know how to count how many deer we've shot in our lifetime. We know how to count a lot of things. Ladies, you know how to count how many pair of shoes you got, or maybe you don't, I don't know. Or how many sweaters you got in your closet, I don't know. But we know how to count a lot of stuff. And you know, friends, life itself... Sometimes it gets complicated, it seems like. And there's ups and downs in life and valleys and hills and mountains to climb. And there's twists and turns and 
There's things that aren't fair and things that are fair. And there's opportunities we get a hold of and some of them we miss. And there's relationships that are tough and some that are good. And, and there's just all kinds of things. There's money problems. There's health problems. All kinds of things in life. But I'll tell you, friends, tonight, at the end of the day, in the end, at the end of life, there's only one thing that really matters at all melts down to this one thing, and that is to be counted for Jesus Christ. Life comes down to being that simple. We got three men here tonight that knew when to stand and how to be counted. For what? That's the Old Testament. I'd like with you for you to go with me to the New Testament, the book of Acts. I'd like to look at two men that missed it. Acts chapter 24. In Acts chapter 24, we got Paul, and he's a prisoner. And he's, he's got a hearing coming up. Uh, before Felix, a Roman governor, and, and we find him in Acts 24, verse 22. And when Felix heard these things, having more perfect knowledge of that way, he deferred them and said, When Lysias, the chief captain, shall come down, I will know the uttermost of your matter. And he commanded a centurion to keep Paul and to let him have liberty, and that he should forbid none of his acquaintance to minister or come unto him. And after certain days, when Felix came with his wife Drusilla, which was a Jewess, he sent for Paul and heard him concerning the faith in Christ. And as he reasoned of righteousness, temperance, and judgment to come, Felix trembled and answered, Go thy way, for this time when I have a convenient season, I will call for you. Here we have Paul a prisoner, and he, he preached the gospel message. It says that he heard, he, that Felix heard him a message about the faith in Christ. And I don't know what all Paul said, but I'm sure he gave a wonderful message. It says he talked about righteousness and temperance and judgment. And so he must have told him about, about salvation, about Jesus, about believing in the Son of God. And he must have warned him about judgment. He must have said, Felix, you know what? If you don't believe in God, you're going to be judged and damned to hell. And the Bible says that, it doesn't say this, I'm putting my words, it says that he trembled. So to me, that means he was convicted in his heart and he trembled and he was convicted. And he said this, he said, look, Paul, he said, when I have a more convenient season, then I'm going to call for you. Hmm. Let's find another man in chapter 26. Again, Paul is still prisoner. And now he's coming before Festus, another governor, and before King Agrippa. And chapter 26, verse 24. And as he thus spoke for himself, spake for himself, Festus said with a loud voice, Paul, thou art beside thyself, much learning doth make thee mad. But he said, I am not mad, most noble Festus, but speak forth the words of truth and soberness. For the king knoweth of these things, before whom also I speak freely. For I am persuaded that none of these things are hidden from him, for this thing was not done in a corner. King Agrippa, believest thou the prophets? I know that thou believest. Then King Agrippa said unto Paul, Almost thou persuadest me to be a Christian. Here we have Paul again. And again, he's given the opportunity to speak to these high up men. 
Festus and King Agrippa. And again, he preaches of righteousness. And these men are convicted and King Agrippa is convicted. And Paul got right down. He must have got right down. So you look him right in the eyes and said, King Agrippa, you should become a believer. And the king said, Paul, I'm almost there. You've almost got me persuaded to be a Christian. Almost a Christian. Wow. Almost. Brothers and sisters, tonight, it doesn't matter how much you have or how little you have. It doesn't matter tonight who you are or who you know or what position you hold or how popular or unpopular you may be or how busy you are. At the end of the day, there's only one thing that matters, and that is that you are counted for Jesus Christ. There's a song, and I don't know the title of the song. All I know is a phrase in that song. But it goes like this. There's a line that's been drawn through the ages, and on that line stands an old rugged cross. Just picture that line tonight in your mind, dear people. There's a line that's been drawn through the ages, and on that line Stands the old rugged cross. Friends, tonight, that's the line that we need to stand on to be counted for Jesus Christ. Where that old cross is, where the blood was shed, that's where we need to stand to be counted. It's a line of commitment. It's a line of holiness. It's a road of holiness. It's that line that separates the righteous from the unrighteous. It's on that line that men and women stand that are soldiers of the cross and there they fight their battle and they come out in victory. It's on that line that men and women stand and they say, you know what, I've got both feet on this line and I'm not part of the world. On that line stands the old rugged cross. It's on that line that God's people stand that say that I am not of this world and I'm looking for a city that is at the other end of that line. City built of God. Felix, the governor, said, Paul, I'll tell you what. I'll, I'll call for you later. Yeah, I know I should. It's right. But but not today, Paul. Not today, some other time. I'm going to do it, but not today. Did Felix ever get counted for Jesus Christ? No, not that we know. Not that we know. Felix also was the one that said, Paul, you know what? I'll become a Christian, but but it's got to be a more convenient time. You've got to understand, Paul, i got things to do today. It's not convenient. i got something else i got to do. I'm going to do it, but I need to find a more convenient time. Did Felix ever find a convenient time to get counted? No, he did not. Friend, tonight, if you're here tonight and you're not standing on that line, 
and you've had opportunity, and you're, and you're saying in your heart, you know what, it's just not the right time. I want to tell you something tonight. If you are procrastinating from standing on that line of the old rugged cross, I want to tell you something. Um, if you know that you need to repent and you need to get saved, but you say now is not the time, the devil's gonna, he's never gonna give you a good time. The devil makes sure that it's never convenient, my friend. If you're here tonight and you have backslidden away from Jesus Christ, and you have been to that cross, but you have fallen away and you're saying, I'm gonna get right sometime with God. I know I should. My family, they need me to do it and I, and the church needs me to do it. I'm gonna do it sometime, but not right now. I'll tell you what, friends, tonight, you remember Felix never found the convenient time. The devil makes sure it's never convenient. King Agrippa said, I'm almost persuaded to be a Christian. I'm almost there. And you know, I think sometimes people in our churches, they, they take that and they say, I'm almost there. That should count for something. Surely that counts for something. If I'm getting close, if, I, if I'm only a foot away, that should count for something. Almost. You know what, King Agrippa, he never, never, never made it past that almost point. Not that I know of. Did almost ever do him any good? I don't think so. <coughs> Friends, tonight, there's a place to stand to be counted. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, they found that place in the Old Testament. And there are many of you here tonight that have found that place. And it's narrow and it's inconvenient, maybe. But my friends, tonight it's a solid rock. And it's a beautiful place to stand. And it's a wonderful place to be counted. This line I'm talking about tonight, on which stands the old rugged cross... I want you to, if you can just, I've got a vivid imagination, but if you can just put it in your mind tonight and imagine what that must look like. It's a special place to be counted there, my friends, tonight. To be counted for Jesus. I can, I can tell you also tonight what it is not. You see, you can't be counted. Those guys tonight that are hanging out down these local bars that I'm driving by, you know, they're not counted for Jesus there tonight. That's not where you get counted for Jesus. You don't get counted for Jesus down at the casino. You don't get counted for Jesus doing drugs. You don't get counted for Jesus if you're in pornography. You don't get counted if you're lukewarm. If your heart is full of unforgiveness and bitterness and hate, it doesn't count. If you're living for yourself, you don't get counted. The Bible says this place that we get counted is the narrow way. And you don't have to turn there because you know it, but I think maybe I'll read it in Matthew chapter 7, Sermon on the Mount. Because enter ye in at the straight gate, for wide is the gate and broad is the way that leadeth to destruction, and many there be which go in thereat. Because straight is the gate and narrow is the way which leadeth unto life, and few there be that find it. That's where we get counted, folks. On the narrow way. You see, the broad way, the Bible says. The Bible says the narrow way, there's only a few. Yeah. There was only three here. The Bible says in the New Testament, the narrow way, there's only a few. 
But it says about the Broadway, many that go down the Broadway. Oh yeah, stop counting many, many that have bowed to the golden image, that have bowed to the world and the other kingdom. You know, I hate to say it tonight, but I'm going to tell you what the Bible says. If you read on in Matthew chapter 7, verse 21, it says, Not everyone that saith unto me, Lord, Lord, shall enter into the kingdom of heaven, but he that doeth the will of my Father which is in heaven. Many will say to me in that day, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in thy name? Have we not come to church all our life? We've been a good church member. We've led singing. We've done this. We've done that. We've worked in missions. We give lots of money. You know what the Bible says? There's going to be a lot of religious people that end up in hell. And I hate to say that tonight, but that's what the Bible says. You be religious and not get counted. Almost. Or maybe like Felix, just never convenient. There are going to be those that wait until it's too late to be saved. But friends, tonight, if you are counted, praise God, it is a wonderful place to stand. Wonderful. There's no better life than being counted for Jesus Christ. And I want to encourage you with something tonight, dear people. Let me ask this question. Is God still counting today in 2017? Does God still see the Shadrachs, the Meshachs, and the Bendigos today? You know, we know that God saw them. They stood for what was right. They stood for God. And God saw that and He honored that. And He pulled them out of the fiery furnace. Is God still counting the faithful today? He is, my friends. Let me tell you a true story. Um, May a year ago. I went into Pugsley on a Thursday night. Pugsley is our local prison. And at that point, we're doing every, a Thursday night service every week. Went in there on Thursday night in May, a year ago. And I got in there that night, and those men that came to our service tonight, just a few of them, but they were telling me a story. And, and the weekend before that, there had been a program in there called Curex. And what that is, it's a, it's a group that comes in, and it's basically like a revival meeting in the prison, kind of like. Um, maybe a little bit more on one, but it's a spiritual emphasis weekend called Curex. And so the men that, there's 1,300 inmates at Pugsley at that time, and the men that go to Curex, this revival meeting we'll call it, they are identified as Christians. Alright? And they are a minority in the prison. There's not many of them that would go to something like that. And they are identified, and they know that if they identify with that, um, they could be abused. Well, anyhow, they were telling me this story. The weekend before that, they had this Curex weekend, and two men, two Christian men, came out of the building where this revival meeting was held. They exited out of the building onto an outdoor basketball court. And on this basketball court were some non-Christians playing basketball. And they saw these Christians come out, and they mocked them. And they made fun of them. And they challenged them. And they said, hey, why don't you guys play basketball with us? And the Christians said, the two men said, we, we don't want to play basketball, no thanks. And these guys were just arrogant and they said, yes, you play basketball with us. And they, they went, and the one guy went and shoved the basketball into one Christian's hand. And this Christian was 20 feet away from the basket with his back to the basket. So the basket was back there, he was 20 feet away. And he took a one hand, no look shot, he just took it and went like that. Swish. 
went right through. That non-Christian went and grabbed that ball. And he came back and he put it back in that Christian's hand. And he said, look. He said, you do that again. And if it does not go in, it proves that there is no God. This Christian knew it was a test. He took that ball. And I don't know what all he prayed and what he said. But he took that ball. And I were looking back and he just took a swish. And went right through. Is God still Counting today, my friends, he is. He knows those that are standing for Jesus Christ. Are you counted for Jesus Christ tonight? I'd like to give us three quick checkpoints. Are you counted tonight for Jesus Christ? To know if you are counted. Number one, have you been to the cross? We're familiar with a cross. The cross where Jesus went and he was nailed to that cross and he gave his lifeblood. The Bible says, for all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. My friends, that's a problem. We have, we're all born sinners. We got this sin problem and we cannot handle it. We cannot get rid of it. We don't know what to do with it. So we've all got this problem. And the only way to solve that problem is to go to the cross. And so that's why I ask you tonight, my friend, we're born sinners. And if you are at the age of accountability and you recognize that you are a sinner and you are lost before God, I ask you tonight if you have been to the cross. you got to get there. The Bible says in 1 John chapter 1, verse 7, says the blood of Jesus Christ, His Son, cleanses us from all sin. We go to the cross with our sins because there we find forgiveness. We go to the cross and we say, Jesus, I've got this pack of sin on my back. Will you take it from me? Will you cleanse my heart? And there the blood of Jesus comes down and it washes our heart white as snow. And we're counted for Jesus Christ. We get counted at the cross. It's the blood that saves us. That's where we get our name written down. I don't care who you are here tonight. You may be a 50-year-old man, 50-year-old woman, that somehow you have slipped through the crack. I know a man one time, 50 years old, I believe it was, revival meetings. He had held all the positions in church, and he responded one night at a revival meeting. He said, I've never been to the cross. I've never been saved. you got to go there, friends. That's where you get counted. Another checkpoint, and we... I've talked about this already this week. We know we're counted. Another way to checkpoint if we're counted is if we're a stranger and a pilgrim on this earth. And I like that scripture in Hebrews. And again, you don't have to turn there. I believe I read it the other night. Where it says that these all died in faith. Not having received the promises, but having seen them afar and were persuaded of them, embraced them and confessed they were strangers and pilgrims on the earth. Oh, friend, tonight, you see, there are two kingdoms and we got to decide which one we're going to be a part of. Hebrews 11, those heroes of faith, they knew 
that they were not of the earth. They were looking for another city. They confessed they were strangers and pilgrims on the earth. And I like so much what it says later in that chapter about Moses. It says that Moses, when he was come to years, refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter. Moses could have been counted as the grand royal family. He could have been counted as one of Pharaoh's children, sons of Pharaoh's daughter. But he refused that. He said, I am not of that kingdom. I don't want any part of that. I know where I want to stand. Says Moses, esteeming the reproach of Christ, greater riches than the treasures in Egypt, for he had respect and the recompense of the reward. By faith he forsook Egypt. He forsook it. And oh friends, tonight have we forsaken the world. That's one way we know if we're counted. When we have forsaken the world, and we say, oh, you know what, that's not my kingdom. And I'm just a passing through. And we've got a mindset that we're just here because we're getting ready. And we're passing on through. Another checkpoint is if we're living in obedience. And we've talked briefly about that this week. Have we got sin in our lives? Or are we living in obedience to God's word? You know, it takes more than just hearing. We have to do it. Romans chapter 2, I think it is, verse 13. For not the hearers of the law are just before God, but the doers of the law shall be justified. We need to be doers of the law. We need to be doers living in obedience to God's word, forsaking sin, living in obedience, not feeding that dead man. Romans chapter 6, verse 6, it says, Knowing this, that our old man is crucified with him, that the body of sin might be destroyed, that henceforth we should not serve sin. For he that is dead is freed from sin. Oh, my friends, tonight, if we're going to stand on that line, we're going to be freed from sin. Likewise, reckon ye also yourselves to be dead indeed unto sin, but alive unto God through Jesus Christ our Lord. To stand on that line tonight, we've got to be dead to sin. We've got to quit feeding that carnal man so he doesn't live anymore, but alive through Jesus Christ. Live unto God. I'd like to think just a few moments about the final count. We're talking about counting tonight. Matthew chapter 25, verse 31. It talks about the final count. When the Son of Man shall come in His glory and all the holy angels with Him, then shall He sit upon the throne of His glory And before him shall be gathered all nations, and he shall separate them one from another, as a sheep divideth his sheep, as a shepherd divideth his sheep from the goats. And he shall set the sheep on his right hand, but the goats on the left. The Bible says that there is going to be a final count, a final judgment day when everything will all be sorted out, and God, his son, sit on the throne. And they're going to judge, and some are going to go on the right, and some are going to be the left. That's going to be the two kingdoms. That's it. Nothing in between. One or the other. You are either on the left or you're on the right. You either hear the word come, or you hear the word depart. That's what the final count is all going to be like. And you know, friends, I'm not going to read a lot of Scripture tonight, but we know that the Bible tells us that the final count is going to come on an ordinary day Just like today was. Just like today.
We know that it's going to come quickly. That's what the Bible says. And so you see, we need to stand on the line of that old rugged cross before that final count comes. We need to get there tonight. And the Bible says this in Revelation 22. It says, Jesus said, Behold, I come quickly. Blessed is he that keepeth the saying of the prophecy of this book. And then he goes on and he says, He says, He that is unjust, let him be unjust still. He which is filthy, let him be filthy still. He that is righteous, let him be righteous still. He that is holy, let him be holy still. And behold, I come quickly. My reward is with me to give every man according to his what his work shall be. How you are counted on that ordinary day will be the final count. That's it. That's what the Bible says. There's a line that's been drawn through the ages. And on that line stands an old rugged cross. And on that line stand men and women that are counted for Jesus Christ. And if you allow me to use my imagination tonight, I look down that line and I see the old cross. And I see Abraham and Moses and David and Shadrach and Meshach and Abednego. And I see Peter I see Paul. And I see my grandpa. And I see my father. But what about you? And what about me? And what about our sons and our daughters? Friend, are you counted for Jesus Christ today? If you're here tonight and you are at the age of accountability or you know that you are a sinner and you've never been saved, you've never been to that cross to be counted for Jesus, tonight would be a beautiful time for you to get saved. Maybe you're here tonight and you've been to the cross, but you've slipped off of that line, living a life of compromise, Tonight, you can be counted again. The grace of God poured out in your life. And you leave with peace that you don't have right now. Shall we pray? Father, we come to you tonight. Thank you for your word and the simplicity of it. Thank you, Lord, for the cross. We thank you, Lord, that you want to count us as your children. We thank you, Lord, for the many faithful that stand on that line tonight, uh, left an example of forsaking Egypt and leaving their sins at the cross. Lord, you know our hearts tonight in this dear, precious congregation. And I don't know them, Lord, only you know. And if there's someone here tonight that is not counted, that you are calling tonight, calling them home. Lord, I pray that your spirit could dominate and permeate this little room here tonight and 
that Satan and his forces will be driven back. And if there's someone here tonight that is convicted and you're calling them by your spirit, Lord, I pray that they would have courage to to get to their feet like Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego and be counted for you. So we commit this invitation time to you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. I'd like to change.